0: Welcome to Byline Confidential, a podcast where we talk with journalists about their lives, their work, and their careers. I'm Greg Pratt, reporter in Chicago, and I will tell you right out. I am a man who likes to talk to a man or woman who likes to talk. And if I pause for a second, it's not because I forgot that I'm a man who likes to talk to a man or woman who likes to talk. It's because I usually record these by myself, but now I am recording it with my guest this week. Uh, Jasmine Beltran, is that right? Did yeah, I pronounce that right? That's
1: right. Uh-huh.
0: The uh, from Univision, who um, had to endure the agony of watching me do that intro. How was that?
1: It was fantastic. I think you did a great job. Well, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. You didn't. You didn't have to do a retake.
0: The well, that's because we're live to tape. But you, um, you probably, you probably have to worry about that much more than I do, right? Being live. On TV and stuff.
1: I love being live. Um, I tend to overthink everything, and when I'm live, that's it. I mean, if you mess up, keep going, keep going. So I I love live television. My producers know that. I mean, if you want me pumped, it's like, okay, you're gonna do a live shot. Love it. Absolutely love it. The
0: the there's there's a real. I, I always figured that like if you're gonna make it in TV news, you have to be able to do a live shot, right? Oh, yes. Like, you would die if you couldn't do a live show.
1: Absolutely, and I'm especially in a big city. In in smaller cities, you do record a lot of stuff, but not in a big city. If you have breaking news, it's go now, and, um, you know, sometimes we have technical issues like any other place, and, oh, the material didn't make it. Start talking about your story. And it's like, oh, okay, let's go, right? And just, you have to go. So, yeah, of course. It's, it's, uh, it's a skill you really build, though, I think, by doing, which is, I think, hard for some of the students or uh, young professionals who are trying to make it. I, you just have to practice and practice and practice, I think, a lot of it. I mean, you know, you're a journalist. It's practice, practice, practice.
0: You can only do it by doing it, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, how long have you been in TV news now?
1: Well... Uh, let me see. how long have I been a reporter about four years on camera, but I've been a journalist for 10 years now. So I started off as a print reporter when that was even t- still a term. I think you're too young to actually know that term.
0: <laughs> I'm 25, so you know all I know is Google and -huh. I mean that's not really true but
1: Right. No, I started off as a print reporter. So when I went to to J school, uh, journalism school, I had to decide. so they had print magazine or broadcast and i thought i'm gonna starve as a broadcast reporter making i don't know sixteen thousand dollars a year like that's not enough money to eat in wyoming in in wyoming of all places i'm from la so okay yeah culture shock right going to
0: where's j school
1: oh j school was at northwestern okay so just you know up the street from here Uh, And I decided to go to Northwestern, basically, because my friend's sister went there. And I remember we were having a conversation once, and she said, Jasmine, you know, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm bad at math. I like science, but I'm kind of bad at science. But, you know, this writing thing, I kind of like that, I think. Oh, she's like, so, like, PR? Didn't know what PR meant back then. I was like 14, Um, maybe 15. I don't remember. And she said, well, what about journalism? And I thought, oh, well, why not? And then it was like a light bulb went off. Oh, journalism. I watch Univision almost every day. Why don't I become a journalist? And she said, well, you know they have the best school in the country. And I thought, oh, then I have to go there. (laughs) And that's how it was. It really was. It was tunnel vision after that. I am going to Northwestern. And I did.
0: At 14, were you precocious?
1: I think so. It depends. You could maybe ask my mom. She might use another word. Um, you know, I, I was I was a curious child, um, but I was also very kind of on my own a lot of the time. My, my sisters are significantly younger than I am, significantly um, a decade, you know, younger. So I, I kind of grew up. A little bit on my own, so you create your own world when you when you're kind of an only child, not really an only child, but I was an
0: only child, so I I think I get that.
1: You know how it is, and then the interaction I had was with boys, my cousins. um, I grew up with them in Mexico, so you know I, I was born in the LA area, Orange County, for those who know. Then I lived in Mexico for a while, and then I came back to the States. And so my exposure to siblings, so to speak, um, I mean, the exposure was to my cousins, and they were all older. So I also had that. I I loved hanging out with people who were older. Like, put me in a room with people who were 100, and I loved it. And even when I was 10, oh, I love 80-year-olds. Let's talk. (laughs) Really, I was that kid.
0: Well, you know... I like 80-year-olds, I like too, because they've seen so much. Mm-hmm. And also because they don't care anymore, so they'll they tell don't. you everything.
1: They're so unfiltered. It's great. It's absolutely great.
0: Were you, um, so, so at 14, you're watching, you're watching TV, you want to go into journalism. You oh, I was idea. watching
1: Univision even younger. Yeah. I mean, oh, I must have been 7 or 8, and I would just turn on the news every single day six o'clock it's six in in LA so six o'clock I'd watch the local and then I would watch uh the national newscast at the half hour and I just loved it I loved knowing what was going on in the world I was curious about what was going on in the Middle East at that time you know like early 90s I didn't get it but I wanted to get it um and like I said I just had a lot of time to myself so it was a lot of figuring out you know what what's going on in the world I I I was younger than that, but I didn't know if I wanted to be a journalist. Does that make sense? I loved watching TV and getting my news that way, but it wasn't like I, I saw myself sitting at the anchor chair at that age. I like too many things that, I mean that's still a problem. I just like so many things.
0: What <laughs> of the that's hard, isn't it to like too many things?
1: Oh, it's so hard you know I admire those people and I'm really jealous too of those folks who just know. I've had colleagues who say to me, oh, when I was 12, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Or, you know, since I was seven, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. I never had that. So, you know, I liked accounting. I loved accounting. I remember taking an accounting class. I'm like, this is great. I might do this. Then I took a drama class, and I loved drama. And then I took this other class, biology. I loved biology. I wasn't very good at it, but I loved it. You know, it's like, what do I do? And then I I always felt like you were forced to pick a route. Like, it's like, pick, 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 pick. Right? You couldn't be a dreamer. It's like, you have to go and pick. I think society, and even in college, it's like, pick this, pick that, pick that. You're always having to pick. And that bothered me.
0: I've always liked the old days when people could, like, you know, be an oil roughneck for a while, and then you go into news, and then you go do something else, and then you go back into news. But... Or, or whatever it is you, you want to do, you know, you o- open up a restaurant and you lose all your money and then you go open up something else and you make all your money and, you know, people like that. That's interesting. But so you went to Northwestern and you were studying print. Print. Print.
1: All the way, yeah, all the way. I decided that I, I didn't want to starve. I still loved you know, watching TV, but I was going to be a print reporter. And so I took this internship at the Journal Times in Racine, Wisconsin. It's about two and a half hours north, maybe, depending on traffic from here. I loved working there, but a lot of things happened when I started working there. Um, they, they they took me in because the editor at the time, who is was extremely progressive for the time, wanted to have a bilingual insert, and so, I speak Spanish fluently, obviously. <laughs> um, and he wanted to hire two people to help him out. So he hired uh, an, another gentleman who is still a friend of mine. And I did it through an internship program at Northwestern. And we basically wrote stories for the daily and then translated them or just did them for the insert and you know, and then sometimes I used them in the daily. It was just, you know, using as many resources as you could. And I came in and right at that time the, the guy who was running it quit. And so I'm like nineteen or twenty at this time and all of a sudden I have to do all the work. And I'm freaking <laughs> out. I call my advisor. I had two advisors at Northwestern. And one is telling me one thing and the other one is telling me something else and I'm about to you know, like have a nervous breakdown. What am I going to do? My internship is going down the drain. There's no one here to guide me. I was supposed to be learning from folks. So uh, I decided to stay, to stay and finish it. And then about a month after that, I want to say Julio, um, they, they, they hired someone else to come in and, and he helped out. And then they kept me on the job. And I remember saying, <laughs> I remember saying at the end of that internship, asking like, hey, can I stay on? You know, I'd like to do this as a job and make some money.
0: Very cash.
1: Right. And the, the editor says, "Okay, you know, we we like your work and you really show that you you know, you can step it up when when things get rough, you you don't bail." And I said, "Okay, but this is how much I want."
0: <laughs>
1: and he's like, "You're in here asking me to give you a job and you're forking me for money right off the top." <laughs> and I said, "Well, I call it negotiating." <laughs> well, And so I got what I wanted, actually, with the money I asked for. He paid. And I stayed on there for about a year. So I would commute. Once school started, of course, I would commute from Evanston to Racine. Um, But, you know, living in Racine taught me that I did not want to live in a small town. It was really hard for me. Yeah. Oh, I'm from Orange County. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's such a difference. It's another world.
0: The Racine County Fair doesn't... (laughs) Work for you?
1: (laughs) It's a wonderful place, in case anyone from Racine, Wisconsin is listening. It was, I didn't find people my age, everyone at the newspaper. I mean, think back, I was 19 or 20, or I think 20 by then. Everyone was married um, or they were engaged. I I was just, I couldn't find people to hang out with, people who were my age. It was hard not having that social life when you go from college to working, that's essentially what I was doing. I was working as a journalist. It was hard. What, what
0: was driving the the bilingual insert? Was there um, a lot of Hispanics moving into the area, or something? Well,
1: they were there. It's just people started to notice, right? And this is right around the time with when um, I think Dick Durbin uh, introduced what was the Dream Act back then. Right. So then you had a lot of student movements, people coming together, a lot of labor rights, things like that. So, uh, like I said, Randy Brandt, who was the editor back then, uh, he was just ahead of the game. I and mean, he was like, I want to say he was in his late 60s, early 70s. So he was really ahead of the game, recognizing that there were there were certain folks who were not being recognized. So that, that's what it was. I think they started to notice
0: that's pretty interesting. Um, the because you know the 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 Latino um, demographic, I guess, is is always being talked about as the next big thing in politics and the next big thing in in everything, really, right? right. Like business, you know, people need to start advertising to them because it's a uh, to us, I guess, it's a growing uh, demographic. Does it? Um, and, and then you've got this paper that got it, and then there's other places that don't get it, even today, you know? That's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think it has a lot to do with your upbringing, where you're from. I uh, Randy was one of those folks, like you mentioned earlier, who were really brave and try things, even if they're going to fail. And this failed. Ultimately, it failed, right? After I left, Julio left, the, the other gentleman who was uh, helping me out. Or I was helping him more so because then he stayed full time and I was just doing part time. Um, it failed, but he was willing to take a risk. He was re- willing to put money because it costs money. You know, it wasn't free labor.
0: Sure.
1: Um, like it is at a lot of places now, right? Sure. With print. So I, I really think that it has to do with doing enough studies also. You know, recently Univision teamed up with a few folks to do a study about you know, politics and Latinos, and then some focus on the um, the runoff between uh, Chui and Emmanuel. And you just don't have that information out there, so how can you know about a certain group if the studies are not being done, right? So I think that's what was happening in Racine, I don't think, and in the general area. I don't think that Randy really had a lot of studies to go off. Randy Brandt, the editor at the time, It's just he was observing. He went out in the community. He ate at the local restaurants. He noticed when he was driving around who, you know, who was picking the blueberries, who was doing this, who was doing that. I just, he was a journalist. He had that curiosity. You can't be a good journalist if you're not curious. You can't. And he had that. So I think sometimes when the decisions are made at the top, there isn't that curiosity. It's just about the money. And don't get me wrong. Money is important i am the first to say money is important right that's why i didn't do broadcast at the beginning right sure. i thought how am i gonna live but god yeah.
0: only knows what you would have been making broadcasting in racine
1: oh I, I don't think they had a tv station i think the closest there you go <laughs> yeah not very much not very much so um yeah but then i came back to tv
0: What well, uh what were you covering
1: where in racine yeah Everything from the local fairs to restaurants owned by Latinos, profiles. Um, My first story, my very, very first story, I still remember, was a um, a soldier. This was in 2004. Um, A soldier who had just come back from Iraq, right? This is about a year in. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, he must have been early 40s, married, had kids. And my assignment was just to cover the fact that he was back, right? And he'd gone out and, you know, fought for his country and the family reaction and all of that. Um, So I always, that's kind of a story that's close to my heart because it was my first and it was published. And I had a clip. Back then you had clips. Now you just send out links, right? But back then you actually had the clip and you'd cut it out and you'd send that out. And that, you know, so I covered that. I also covered this other story about um, the dreamers. I remember um, I covered elections. I actually went to Boston for the uh, Democratic National Convention in '04 and did a story for the Journal Times while there. It just, you know, what what, um, is, what is the delegation doing? Uh, our delegation, the local delegation doing in Boston? What's the atmosphere like? So I, a little bit of everything. That's pretty cool. It was. It was fantastic at that age to be covering something like that. It was phenomenal.
0: Were you good at news gathering right away?
1: No. No. <laughs> no. 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 I wasn't because I wasn't the kid who was getting internships every summer. So it was a. <clears throat> it was a lot about learning and uh, listening. You, you just have to be such a good listener when you're a journalist. Such a good listener. So this to me is strange. You asking me questions is strange because I'm always the you, right? I'm asking the questions. So no, it wasn't easy. It was, you know, reading articles about the, the topic that I was about to go cover and saying, oh, okay, this is what I need to do. Let, let me make a list and, you know, and let me find a face. I, that was always hard for me, finding a face for a story because I was very cut and dry. I, I liked facts, you know, who, what, one more, why, how? I didn't need to have a face to the story, but most people like a face. They like that story. So, no, no. Journalism has never been easy for me. Never. Not even now? Uh, you know, I'm very uh, self-critical. So, I say no only because I feel there's still so much to learn. I just, I, I never think you can know it all. That's why I think it's It's not easy. You know, and and um, and it's not easy also because it, things are changing so much. Now we're on social media, so tweet this, do this, take a picture, gather your facts, read the press release. Oh, you're not going to do this event. You're going to go to this other event. Oh, wait a minute, we have breaking news. Now you're going to this, right? So you're kind of like the. You're not a master at one thing. You you have to do everything. So I think that's still an adjustment for a lot of us in the business. So no, it's not easy. I don't think it, it, it ever is easy. I think you have, this is important. You have to act confident even when you don't feel confident because I, I'm a general assignment. Well, we all are here actually. So it's not like I just cover technology or crime. You cover everything. You have to know a little bit about everything and enough to inform. So uh, that's not easy. I don't think that's easy.
0: Did you ever struggle with, like, talking to people? Like, going to an Iraq family, right? This guy comes back from Iraq. It's his... he's, He's coming back from Iraq. And, you know, in some ways we're intruding on someone's moment, right? And we're asking them... We're asking them not to see it as intruding, but to let us in. Right. You know, which is the... Was that ever hard for you? this That's almost the social part of it, right? Where you have to... Very much. Engage people.
1: Very much. I'm told... Because you,
0: you're, you're kind of a shrinking personality. You're kind of like uh, very shy, right?
1: Do you get that from
0: no. me? No. You're not in the <laughs> You're
1: joking. Actually, I like to say I am shy and everyone laughs. Uh, because I think I am. But here's what's hard for me. Not so much in Racine. For, for me, the hardest story in Racine was one where I went on a boat with these children who had cancer. And every year this doctor who used to, he, I, I can't remember if he lived in, I don't know, back east maybe, but he worked in Chicago for a long time. So he had ties to this community and Wisconsin. He would take these kids out, those who could leave the hospital in Kenosha, in the Kenosha area, and take them on a boat ride. And it was just so sad for me to see those kids with cancer. I remember at the end of the the day, I was happy that I did the story, but I was just so sad. I wanted to go home and cry, right? Because there, I I think I was complaining because I was hot, right? I was overdressed. I thought I was going to do something else that day. And they're like, you're going on a boat and you need to go now. And you know how it is. They send you out and you're going. And I remember I was probably complaining when I was driving there in, in my head, complaining to myself. And then I got there and I thought, oh, you know, this little girl who I interviewed, you know, she might be dead next year. I just the thought that went through my head. So those are the stories that for me are hard. And even now, here in Chicago, the stories that I find difficult and where you really have to um, kind of be extra sensitive are those stories where you talk to the mom whose kid just died. You know, the, the kid was shot. Um, was hit by a car? It's just hard, right? Because I think would I talk to someone under the same circumstances? Probably not. But that's just me. That's my personality. And you never know how someone is going to react. So you go there, you you feel like you are intruding, but then there's also a story to be told. You know, mm-hmm. there's always a, a, a takeaway from these stories. So there isn't one formula. My, my students, I, I teach besides... Um, you know, working at Univision as a reporter. And they always say, well, how do you approach this situation? And it's like, well, I can tell you three different ways to approach it, but then it has to come from you. You have to read people. You have to be sensitive. You have to know when you're done asking questions, when the person can't take it anymore. You have to know when they're about, you know, to tell you to get, you know, what out <laughs> of here. You have to know all these things. And it's just about reading body language, you um, oh I, I, I that's the hardest part for me. <clears throat> it's never about asking ex politician ex question i mean that's easy right that's that to me is easy. It's dealing with these life and death stories, and you know sadly, we have so many here in Chicago
0: yeah, well, do you remember if you did go home and cry that night
1: mm-hmm. No, I didn't. I didn't go home and cry that night. Um, I, I was really sad about another story that we did here, and I think I may have cried. And it might, it might have been a combination of you know being tired and all that. But it was another story because sometimes you know you speak with parents, and we always have this debate in the newsroom. You know, we have so many game related shootings, and then you have shootings that are not game related. And I remember speaking with this father. Um, I want to say it was Little Village. It's been a few years, and most parents will tell you my child was not involved in any gang activity and this dad is you know like breaking down and telling me you know i know my child was in a gang i tried everything i sent him to mexico we went to church we did everything i mean this dad really tried right and his kid was shot and you know and he was open about it he's like i tried everything and it just broke my heart you know because it's like you, you really tried. I, I got the sense that he did and it didn't work. You know, he was, um, <clears throat> his a child was dead. And then he remembered this story. And that's the part that broke my heart. Um, he said, you know, I remember this one time I, because I like to ask people, you know, tell me about good memories. You know, it's not all about the person being dead. Like after they're dead, you, I think you have to try to remember the good, right? The good memories. Otherwise, how do you move on? I just don't know. I, I, I don't have children. I don't know what it's like to lose a loved one. Um And he said, well, you know, this one time in Mexico, um, he was holding this little, uh, this little chick, and then the chick fell on the ground, and he was so concerned, and he went up to pick it up, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cry, you know, and it, but you always have to remain composed, and you know, you can't cry at every story, but that, that story for some reason, and I think it was because I just saw that he tried so hard, um, was really sad.
0: That's really terrible, actually. Yeah, you know, because that's that's one that I don't have kids either. Uh, You know, I'm younger than you, as you pointed out earlier, (laughs) and um, I guess you can be you can you can you can do everything wrong, and your kid turns out right, and you can do everything right, and your kid turns out not so great yeah, and, and know, things happen and-
1: yeah and with his story it was it was a combination of things that we see you know when we talk about violence in chicago it's not just the access to guns it's so many things it's you know parents like this father who you know work three jobs you know it's like how do you have time to spend with your kids if you have to work three jobs just to put put food on the table how does that even happen you know there's so many issues it's not just the guns that's one factor but so many more contribute and we see that you know in the Latino community a lot because obviously we cover everything but you know we obviously cover the Latino community quite a bit and that was another thing about that you know I thought wow that could have been my mom like my mom was an immigrant you know she was single when she had me she two weeks after she had me she had to go to work and you know work three jobs so you know it's rough that one was rough
0: one um So how long were you in print?
1: About a year and a few months, I want to say. I decided I wanted to do broadcast, right, when I was uh, about to finish uh, undergrad. And I applied to the master's program at Medill, so same school, got in, started uh, the first quarter And I took economics, I think. So I I wrote a lot of earnings reports. I covered pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry. Then I got an internship with the Northwest Indiana Times. So I was going to school here and driving there on the weekends mostly. And that's when I learned during that summer is when I learned how to write for broadcast. And it was really hard. All of it was hard. I've heard that. <clears throat> it's so
0: print, difficult. Print people put their nose up at you guys sometimes, but, um, you know, <laughs> it's true. I know, the, I know, I know. But okay. the uh, but, but the, I've heard that, that the writing for, for broadcast is hard. And it, you can sort of see it, you know?
1: Well, you know, in print, I could go on and on. <laughs> on and on. Sure. And, and, and the way you wrote it is you wrote the most important stuff on top. And then you gradually, right, as the story went down, right, imagine holding a newspaper, you'd write it so your editor could just chop from the bottom. And when you transfer or move on to TV to do TV reporting, you have a minute and a half. So my thing was, how do I tell this story with all these details and these interviews and put that in a minute 30? It kills me. It was just so difficult. And I remember even when I started at Univision, I'd have these long sound bites. It's like, you can't do that. You can't have a 20 second sound bite. So it, it is so hard. It is so hard. But see, I, I admire print journalism because you guys have to explain so much more. You know, we can say, P- police uh, say, or so and so. You have to write out, I mean, there's a lot of detail involved in print reporting. Uh, but I do think that uh, now I think it's easier to do broadcast writing. But at the time, I was like, can I go back to print, please? But no, I stuck with it.
0: <laughs> was your first TV job with, with Univision?
1: Uh, job, job, yes. But I reported for the ABC affiliate in Midland, Texas. Okay. And, but I was out of D.C. It was with Medill. So basically, you were assigned a state. I had Texas. So I covered everything Texas-related that had a Washington, D.C. tie. So I lived in Washington, D.C., and we would sometimes shoot our own packages and then obviously write our scripts, book all our interviews, do all our interviews, and then edit our stuff and then literally take the tape and run to the ABC office. In my case, it was ABC, and then they would feed it off to Midland, Texas, so somewhere in Midland, Texas, folks saw me. <laughs> I've never been to Texas yet. That's Actually, funny. I think I might have stopped um, on my way to the Caribbean a few years ago, but just stayed, you know, maybe in Dallas, I don't know. Well, Midland
0: is road. oil country, right? Yes. That's presum- I-, I bet a lot of your stories had to do with oil stuff. and
1: Some, yeah, some, and, you know, everything, everything, basically. I also, at the time did stories for a radio station in Iowa so I had to cover Iowa so a lot of stuff about meat farming things like that corn corn (laughs) yeah corn and I loved radio I remember thinking oh when I finished the program I'm like Hmm, I wonder if I want to do radio. Radio is fun.
0: Get another master's.
1: Or get another master's. No, 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 no. I think the 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 training in journalism, the 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 bulk of it happens once you leave school. I think it's great to go to school. I think it's the, the foundation. Um, you learn about ethics, what's right and what's wrong. But you really learn learn when you're out on the field. I think so. That's how it is in this career, anyway. How'd
0: you end up in sh- back in? Uh here at Univ- Univision in Chicago I always struggle because I don't want to say Uni- Univision I just don't want to say I say Univision say it, all the time But I, I just uh, <laughs> It
1: sounds wrong to you, Univision It
0: does, you know, because I grew up I grew up watching some Univision And watching right. um, primarily Sábado Gigante And some of my mom's novelas And uh-huh. then some news um, Are you
1: sad that Sábado Gigante is going away? <laughs> uh, no, because,
0: you know, it's it's been the same show forever You know, you could you could probably run reruns And no one would tell but the uh, that is a very snazzy ringtone, I will say that.
1: That was supposed to be off. The uh it ha look look at that. That means silent. The phone has a mind of its own.
0: It must be really important.
1: I'm so sorry.
0: There is no no, there's no problem. The uh there was one guy I was interviewing him, it was a really good interview, John Tevlin of the Star Tribune. How you doing, John? He um uh, his his home phone rang and it sounded like a like a ufo landing you know and i haven't experienced a lot of ufo landings so i guess <laughs> that's what i imagine a ufo landing sounds like but so um gosh what war were we talking about
1: i blinked out because i was so embarrassed that <laughs> went off you saw the bell with the line across it, it right i saw so it. i have to talk to these blackberry people to see what's going on with the phone
0: the uh you were um also, how, how did I end up back Chicago? at, right,
1: and you were struggling with I the whole Univision, th- Univision.
0: I was bad-mouthing uh, Don Francisco, I guess. <laughs> saying that. Very good show, but it's, it's kind of reruns now.
1: I think it was the longest-running show um, ever. 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 Um, well, here's how I ended back in Chicago. So I like the area. I didn't want to go back to L.A. at the time, and I had some personal things going on here, a relationship, and I was like, I want to stay in the area. This is where I want to be. I love Chicago. Um, I know Wisconsin. I've worked in Indiana, right? So I had all these these factors. So I started, well, first I have to tell you, I, I graduated from my master's program. I went to L.A., had surgery, was out for like five months. I had foot surgery. And in the middle of the process, I got antsy, and I told my sister, "Take me to the mall! Take me to the mall!" And I'm on crutches, and of course, I my crutch, one of them, um, like is on some item of clothing someone left on the ground, and my, you know, just goes flying, and I go flying, and I broke the foot. So then, the recovery was even longer. I thought, "Oh no, I'm gonna die! You know, I'm an adult, and I'm living with my parents. This is terrible." So once I got over that, I said, I'm coming back to Chicago. And I sent my tapes out. I mean, I want to say markets in Indiana. It's been so long. Indiana, Wisconsin. Um, anyway, got an offer. I forget, I forget. I can't even remember who offered me this job anymore. But I said no. And it was a TV job. And they offered me 23 which wasn't bad, actually. I knew people were getting paid 17 Okay. And it doesn't seem like a lot 17 to 23, but that's a difference between, you know, like ramen and then maybe the generic brand sure. of ramen.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: You know what I mean? So I said no, because back then we were still carrying those huge cameras. And I thought that physically I couldn't do all of that. I thought I'm going to bust my back. Don't want to do this. Don't. I don't want to do the small town. And carrying a huge camera and being at a place where I may never have a shot at doing live shots. I thought, I remember uh, a professor telling me, go somewhere where you can do live shots or where you have a photog who at least is recording some of your stuff so that your tape looks better. Now that advice obviously has changed because people have to get their own video, even even in some large markets. But back then, that's what worked. So I said no to the job and then I'm online one day, and there's an opening at Univision for a writer and assignment desk editor. And I thought, oh, <gasps> Univision. <laughs> this is what I still said, Univision. I how cool would that be, right? I grew up watching Univision. You know, Jorge Ramos was my idol. Oh, I forgot to tell you. So another factor, right, that brought me to Northwestern, Jorge Ramos had a book signing in California. And... I couldn't decide between, because then I did my research, and I thought, oh, well, I do love um, Northwestern, but, you know, Colombia's also good, so we're two, we're two, we're two, and I had an opportunity to speak with Jorge Ramos, maybe for seven seconds, and I said, hi, blah, 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 and by the way, I'm deciding between these two schools. He's like, go to Northwestern. I was like, if Jorge Ramos said to go to Northwestern, (laughs) that's where I'm going. So, anyway, your, your yeah. whole life could have been different. My whole life could have been different. Jorge Ramos said, "Go to Colombia." So anyway, so I come in for the interview, like three or four interviews, a writing test, you know, the whole the whole um, kind of process that you go through, and they offered me a job, and I thought, really? And I said, okay, okay. I was also running out of money <laughs> at the time. <laughs> to be quite honest, I think I had maybe like four hundred dollars, and that was it, right? Um, and a credit card, uh, which I used until you know I got my first paycheck for everything. and I started working here and I did an assignment desk, which I think is so hard. Are you familiar with what they do at the no, assignment I was desk? Ask. Oh. It's,
0: they give assignments. Presumably. They give
1: assignments, but they do so much more. It's just like the heart of the newsroom. Press releases come in. People call in. They run um, the editorial meetings. This is what's going on. We have this story idea. They coordinate crews. They send people out. They have to keep track of everyone. It is just such a hard job. They, I mean, oh, so that for me was incredibly difficult, and I so admire what they do here. Um, because they just keep everything running. And so part of it was that, and then the writing. The writing, again, talk about adjust, adjusting to writing. I grew up learning Spanish at home. I didn't have formal training. I did spend one summer at Universidad Panamericana, one, one of the universities in Mexico City. But it was, you know, reading full like, history and things like that. It wasn't, like, let's write for TV
0: <laughs> at all, sure. right?
1: It was just enjoying Mexico City, to be quite honest, right? I'm like, hey, why not? I speak the language. This will be easy. And it wasn't. It was fun. And I I met a lot of uh, MMCs. Mientras me caso. Uh I'm sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with the phrase.
1: You're familiar with the phrase. I say that because I met so many that I thought, oh, goodness, I don't want to be that. Um, And so, anyway, so I I started writing, and then about a year and a half, and I'm like, this is not for me. This is not for me. So I make up my mind that I'm moving. I'm like, who cares? I don't know where. It might not be Chicago. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, so then a position opens up here to, to be the publisher. And I, th- I think back then it was called something else, like online producer, online something. But basically you run the news websites and the radio websites for, for Univision. And I didn't want to do it, but one of my colleagues, uh, who's actually no longer here, she encouraged me. She said, Jasmine, everything is going to online. Do it do it, do it, do it. You know Chicago, you never know what may come of it. And I thought, well, why not? Right. So I reached out, I did the writing test, did the interview, um, you know, the whole process again, even though I was working for the company already and they offered me the job. And I thought, Ooh, okay. So do I take it or do I move? And I thought, well, let me take it, see what happens. So I worked like I'd never worked until I, I started in June. I worked 90 hours a week I want to say I mean it was insane until after Obama's um inauguration in 2009 I went for that covered that for online and then after that I got my review and they were like you're doing great I was like okay I can relax you know how it is after I'm like okay I just want to see how I'm doing so I can relax after that and you know I stayed in that position for about four years and then um during that time here's how I got back on tv they wanted the online person to be the face for the websites, so they put me on TV. They, basically, a week before, this was in 2009, so that's how long I've been on TV, 2009. They said, okay, Jasmine, well, in about a week, we want you to put together this segment, think of how you want to do it, uh, talk to the news director, but you're basically going to be on TV during the newscast, and you're going to talk about the online product. Thought,
0: oh
1: my God! I better get a haircut, right? Sure. <laughs> I better get a haircut, and I better fix my hair because those who know me well know that I am in my comfort zone when I am in sweats and a t-shirt, and you know, my hair in a ponytail, not done up like we always are. So, nothing funny story. My first live, my first live, because it was live in the studio. I mean, you're live. Um, I forgot to put the mic on. <laughs> 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 and thankfully, uh, Ligia Granados, who still works here, and is just always calm, cool, and collected, and has this very soft voice, kind of like this. Um,
0: I need to interview her for my You back, do.
1: Yeah. You do. And everyone will be just so relaxed after that. Um, she brought it to my attention, right? You don't have your mic on. And then they were speaking to me in the IFB, and I'm like, oh! <gasps> help me, help me, help me. So she walks up just so, so ever so gently, and she helped me with the mic. And we got it on, I want to say, maybe 10 seconds, 7 seconds before we went on air. I mean, it was just crazy. And so I did the segment, and I said, I never want to see that ever because I'll cry. <laughs> I will cry. So that's how I started. And then what happened, then we did a, a simulcast with... Um, well, now we don't have Telefutura. We have a different station, but Telefutura and one of the radio stations. So I would do their morning show. i do a segment there, again, live, live segment. And I love it. I mean, I love live. So it was live, chatting about what was going on online. And then one day I thought, you know what? I want to do reporting. This is it. I've done I've done what I need to do in online. I, I, the, I, I'm all about growing somehow, right? So I'm done growing in this position I need to start thinking about what's next so I walked into the news director's office and I said I want to be a reporter I'm wondering if you'll let me go out there and you know just be a reporter one day and she looked at me like okay you've got some you know what walking in here and asking me that you want to be a reporter and I said well you know I I have a background I didn't just walk out and walk in you know (laughs) out of the street and say hey I want to be a reporter you know me you know I went to school, I, I know. And she said, okay. And that was it. I think my first story was something about the budget. Something very exciting. The state budget? Uh, yeah, the state budget. Something about the budget. And it wasn't live, it was recorded, sure. you know, live on tape. Um, and then you know, I tried to do stories whenever I could. And then about maybe nine months later, I said, okay, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm quitting the, the online for sure. And I'm going to see what comes of it. And I started uh, freelancing a bit for them. I went to L.A. for three weeks, came back. I'd committed to doing a uh, sweeps piece, which was great. Got a, I think that one got an Emmy nomination. Yeah, that one got an Emmy nomination. So it was a really good piece, really fun. And then I enjoyed the summer. And I was basically making no money. I moved in with a cousin, and I was living on her couch. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm not stressed. I would take three-hour walks. And then, you know, like two <laughs> months later, I'm like, okay, like I need to I need to get back on, on track. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I need a little vacation. So I went to L.A., I went to Turkey, I went to Greece, I went to England. And then I came back. And because I was a freelancer, right? I came back and then just started working a lot. And then I'd also oh I also started teaching at Northwestern, but I took some a little bit of time off to be able to do the traveling and all of that. So started doing that, and then I got hired full time. That's how it was. So the testing out period was basically the freelance period. That's how it was.
0: Sure. And then you got to do stories full time, right? Mm-hmm. Which is is still what you do. I mean, you still teach, but you're working full time. Full right?
1: time here. Full time here, and, and then. Um, Right, and then general assignment. We're all general assignment here. And then I teach one class a quarter, generally. One quarter, I decided to teach two classes. Did
0: you lose your mind? Uh,
1: No, I didn't. But, you know, I might not be the same person I was before. I don't know. (laughs) It was pretty stressful. So I'm not doing that. And even some of the professors I spoke with, they're like, you're doing what? And you're teaching those two classes? Those are hard classes. And I'm like, I know. I'm in the middle of this. So, I mean, it was wonderful. The, the, the students are wonderful, but I think, you know, you can't work 100 hours a week. That's just not healthy. So I cut back, and now I teach one class a quarter, and then I work here uh, full time.
0: There's probably a lesson to be learned in, in this... Uh freelancing and going all over the place. Because you're probably all stressed out a little bit, too, thinking, what what am I going to do next? Oh, not a
1: little bit. A lot. Sure. A lot.
0: And now you can look back on it and be like, it all turned out okay, but I'm sure at the moment you're like... At the...
1: At the moment, it was like, I need to take these three-hour walks (laughs) because I will go crazy if I don't take these three-hour walks, right? And that's my thing. Walking has always been my thing. I always tell people I'm not big into working out, you know, lifting and things like that, but I love to walk. And I mean, look at this. We're looking at the lake here where we're sitting, and it's just gorgeous. Like, how could you not love three hours of that? Sure. Right? So, no, it's stressful, and I think that people don't talk about that. You know, they don't talk about... um, they, uh, you only hear about what's wonderful about journalism, and it is. It's great. Every day I come to the office, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I may cover someone's death. It may be the budget. It may be, you know, an interviewing a scientist. I always love interviewing scientists. I feel so much smarter after that. You just never know what, what's going to happen that day. Um, But then I think especially for young journalists, and my, my students can really back me up on this, I'm very honest with them. I tell them, and especially those who, I had a girl in here from DePaul. I don't teach at DePaul. I teach at Northwestern. But I had a girl from DePaul come in on Monday asking me about career advice. I brought her into the studio and things like that. But I always take the opportunity to give them a little bit of life advice to say this is wonderful get into it see if you like it the best thing to do if you want to be a journalist is to start early start early when you don't have children when you don't have anything to tie you down right when you can actually make 17,000 23,000 and maybe find roommates and maybe you know have two twin beds in in one room because that's all you can afford. I think it's great to do it at the beginning, Right. right? To see if you really love it because you have to love it. That's the thing. More than ever, you have to love this job or you will not last. The money isn't there. You know, you mentioned print. It's not only print. You know, you're seeing adjustments in salaries and what people are being paid in broadcast as well. So I'm always big about telling them how wonderful it is because it is. I'm lucky to do what I do for a living. Very lucky. I've also worked really hard, but I'm lucky. However, also remember there's there are things you want to do in life. You may want to buy a home one day. I always tell women, especially just because of the whole biological clock thing. Think about that too. Do you want to have children? You know, I don't believe in leaning back, right? The whole Cheryl. Right? No, no, no. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. I don't believe in leaning back. So like, oh, I want to get married. So I'm not going to do this. No, 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 no. I think you go, 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 go. But also you have to be cognizant that, you know, if you don't start thinking about having children when you're 39, right? You don't if you're a woman. And you, and, and you intend to have children. That's not when you start thinking about it. You start to think about that before. Probably and not a
0: good time. Yeah, not
1: but. a good time. And I did, a, I did a piece about this, and it just totally blew my mind. I spoke to like the, you know, one of the experts in the, in the field, and he's like, actually, it's this age. And I thought, oh, really? Um, so I, I think you, you have to think about those things, but also um, you have to love it, Right love it and be curious. People always ask me, what do you think is really important when, you know, when you look at your students and, and you think, oh, this person's really going to go far or, um, you know, do, do they, will they make a good journalist? And I say curiosity is one of those things. Has to be curiosity, right? Because we, we all have to feed the beast, right? We all have to have the shootings and X stories that have to go. But then, You also need great content. That's what's going to set you apart from the competitors, right? That's what's going to set you apart. And what does that, you know, what do you need? Curiosity. You're always learning from people. I get story ideas all the time. I have to write them down. I get headaches. You know, it's just, oh, okay, I feel like I'm being bombarded. Like you said, if I'm going to sit down with someone, I better learn something from them, right? Right. So that's it. The... I give really short answers.
0: <laughs> the, they're they're very uh, very self contained, you know. The um, no, I like expansive. But when it comes to um, you brought up the phrase in Mexico City, MMC mientras me caso, mientras me caso. which mm-hmm. is uh, while I, until I get married.
1: Until I get married, so I'll go to school until I get married.
0: Sure, or I'll do this job until I until get married. I get married. I'd never heard that before until I interviewed a, a boy editor named Isela Orozco who uh-huh. was telling me about that phrase. And I, I didn't realize that that's, that's such a big pressure thing or, or a thing in Mexico, you know. Obviously, we're not in Mexico, but you've never felt that, have you?
1: No, I've never felt that. I'm also extremely lucky because my parents and even my grandmother, okay, they always tell me, you don't have to get married. You don't have to have children.
0: They're not nagging you for no, for babies?
1: No, no, no. They're not nagging me at all for babies. And I think it also comes with them knowing me well. Like, I've never been the girl who's dreaming about the dress and, you know, the babies and things like that. That doesn't mean I won't have children. That doesn't mean... I won't get married or have a wedding, right? Or have the, the I think the, having the wedding part is the part that doesn't throw me. It's just like, oh, planning something. No, no, no. Let me run away from that. Um, so no, I, I've never felt the pressure, but I feel like a lot of women do, you know? And, and a lot of women may feel that if they want to get in this field, that that's an obstacle. And I don't think it has to be. Like I said, if you start early enough, but um, funny that you mentioned MMC, or did I mention that?
0: You brought it oh, up. Oh, I
1: brought it up. Okay. You brought
0: it up. I don't, uh, i don't gener- i don't ask every woman who comes on if they plan to have kids and get married you know because
1: mm-hmm. oh right I can see that right you or don't or want it to come across yeah a certain way yeah
0: i mean i'm I'm personally uh I'll probably do whatever my wife says because that's the, that's the <laughs> way marriage works right but like i don't know i'm not um I'm not exactly thrilled with the idea of a big ass wedding so you've um you've done general assignment and you did you recently win an emmy did i read that
1: right so we won an emmy it's never an i there is no i in this in this uh business because it involves everyone all the whole team it was for best newscast yeah which was amazing we'd never gotten that so it was pretty awesome
0: Do you remember, like, what was on that newscast?
1: Yeah, um, I do, clearly. It was the coldest day of my life.
0: (laughs) Oh, was it a polar vortex day?
1: Yes. And I'm from L.A., I always say, oh, October for me is painful because it's coming back, right? Coming back to, like, the cold, and it reminds me of when I was in college, and I thought, how do people live here? Like, I just can't wait to leave. Yes, it was about our coverage for that, uh, which was really good. You know, we covered every angle. This is, if you'll recall, I mean, Northwestern, I think, closed two days, which was unheard of. The CPS closed school. So it was really nice, you know, because we don't run a very big operation like some of the other stations, you know, your ABCs, NBC, CBSs of the world. Um, and to go head to head and win that for us was huge. I mean, we were so happy, so happy.
0: Do you remember what your part of it was?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I had to go out and cover the transportation aspect of it, um, how people were, were, you know, getting to work, how they weren't getting to work, things that broke down, and of course, I love the CTA, I always say, I have to say, I love that we have public transportation here, but some days, it can be bad, <laughs> and if I recall correctly, I, there was something that happened that day, and. In, and that was my part in reporting that along with everything else that was going on.
0: Yeah, I don't... Uh, I remember the first polar vortex. Was this... This was for 2014?
1: So this was not this year. Yeah, last, last year. The real polar right, vortex. The real... Right. Everyone's yeah. saying we had a terrible winter. It was not that
0: bad. It was not that bad, no.
1: It was not that It's Chicago, come on.
0: Last year's was was a rough january but, mm-hmm. but that's whatever you know deal with it
1: you deal I, with it yeah
0: i can't believe that how many schools were closing this year
1: well you know i think part of it was preventative like we just want to make sure that nothing terrible happens sure so i, I get it I, I understood it this year
0: but back in my day you know you walked miles in the snow and you liked it
1: and, oh, I see where you're getting at. Yeah, there might be an element of, are we getting stronger as the, as a whole, or?
0: No, it's probably good, but I there was a part of me that resents it because when I was a kid, I don't think I ever got a snow day or a Aww. cold day. So,
1: yeah, you know. I didn't get a snow day either.
0: Yeah, but you were in LA. <laughs> the uh, so, um, you've got how many years in the news business now?
1: Uh, now about. 10
0: and uh yeah because you graduated early
1: about right i did i graduated early and it saved me money so we are very happy about that (laughs) i
0: graduated early too actually but the um what's what's uh what's next for you where are you in the galactic universe where
1: am i oh that's that's too much that's too much where am i it's really in trying to discover how to do better stories so uh we have beats that are assigned to us here. Um, I have the courts, so I cover a lot of court cases. I also cover a lot of the, the drug dealers and all those things. El Chapo, I did a big piece on El Chapo and kind of the things that are going on in Chicago in terms of that. Um, so, you know, I also do a lot of health stories and things like that. So for me, it's trying to Get better at doing what I'm doing as a reporter every day with the everyday stories, and then really building on things that I enjoy doing. I enjoy covering religion. I enjoy covering these, uh, you know, special series. I I love doing those, and I and I I really thrive, and I'm good at those. So that's what I'm. That's what my bosses say, at least, that I'm really good at enterprising stories and really looking at different angles when it comes to stories and telling them in a different way when I'm given that creative license, right? So you have the creativity and I think some places allow you to do that and other places don't. They allow me to do that here. I have the liberty to write stories pretty much you know, how I want to write them when it comes to special stories. And so that for me is is next and also just continuing to teach and seeing what comes from there. Um, I've always wanted to write a book. I don't know about what yet. So that's on the list of projects to do.
0: Do you see it as a reported book or like a neat pray, love type of thing or like a memoir or...
1: I think at one point I will write a memoir. I think I'm extremely helpful to younger men and women, but I think women tend to gravitate toward me a little bit more, young women, at giving them life advice. And I think... This would have been a completely different piece had we talked a lot about life because there's so much life in this besides just the business and how many years have you been in this and all of that. But I feel like I didn't have that guidance, that mentorship from other women when I was 20, when I was 21. I feel I didn't have that. And I know because I see it and I get questions and emails from other young ladies who need that help. Right, who need to be encouraged, but also know the really kind of hard facts of life that I mentioned earlier. And, that, and that's why I think, you know, you can't separate the job in journalism. You can't separate the job from life. You just can't. So I feel it'll be more along those lines, helping younger women and men, right? Life advice, things of those, uh, uh, things of that nature.
0: Uh, What would you have liked to have known that you didn't know from a a mentor?
1: From a mentor, um, gosh, so many things. One of them, financial literacy. I think it's so important. I'm very good at managing my money. I'm better, I would say, than maybe 90% of people, right? Um, But I just feel that it's so important to know about, you know, home loans and you know a Roth IRA what is this what is that and I had that in me I remember I bought this investment book never read it it was I still have it though to remind me to not do that again to buy something and then not follow through but I think finances right let's think about this where where do you want to be in 10 years right because I think you ask what's next for you well I may not know exactly in terms of a job, but I do know that I need to be at a certain place financially and that that allows me to then maybe go to PR or maybe take a few years off and travel and write that memoir or write write that Eat, Pray, Love. So that financial literacy, and I think another thing that I tell every single one of my students is start early so this whole money thing that shouldn't stop you you should know about it because that may mean that you might need a waitressing job or a bartending job or whatever job right to to make ends meet but still go do it there's no such thing as failure and i didn't know that we were i was so tunnel vision about this is the way that it has to be If I'm going to be a journalist, it's A, B, C, D, nothing else. And that's not the way life is and certainly not the way career paths seem to go. So that's what I wish someone would have told me. It's like, chill out. Yes, you're upset because you think you're going to be eating the generic brand of ramen, right? But it's okay. It's temporary. And then you have a skill set. And knowing that the skills that I have now, I feel like I could do 10 million things, right? I could do PR, I could start my own company, I could do X, Y, and Z. I feel competent to do that. And I wish that younger women knew that. It's just build your set, get good at what you do, and then learn about other things. Man, the world is yours. It really, really is. And then I don't believe in this whole, oh, don't be afraid. Oh, that bothers me when people say that. It's like, no, yes, be afraid. Still do it, right? Sometimes I'm nervous when I'm doing a live shot. If I still have to make this phone call and people are calling and I'm waiting for a statement and there are a million things going on, I'm stressed out, right? Even nervous, but keep going. That's it. Keep going going keep going and that's what I try to tell anyone who comes to me for advice you know and then the whole family thing too i think well i've never been one to say because you have some women who say by 30 i want to be married and have two kids stop that's a lot of pressure sure that's a lot of pressure for you just relax it'll happen when it happens
0: I feel like that's the kind of thing that dooms people into unhappy marriages, too, because you're like, I need to be married by 30, and so then you need to get married, right? So you're like, well, whoever I'm dating, I need to get married to.
1: Right, and then, you know, two kids later, they're getting divorced. And it's like, did that really need to happen? Just relax. You know, some of the best advice I ever got from one of the engineers here, actually. (laughs) He comes to me and says, Jasmine, before you get married, right, you need to go to therapy. And I thought, "Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> Did I leave my email open? I mean, what happened?" He's like, "No, no, 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 no." He's like, "Let me tell you something. My wife and I have been married for, I don't know, 20, something, 25 years, and it's because we went to therapy before because then all your baggage comes out and you just really know the person and you know what you're getting yourself into. And I thought, "Wow, that's brilliant." that's brilliant advice so hey anyway, i don't know how i got sidetracked off but i you know but i just remembered what he said i thought that was wonderful so yeah i mean let's go to therapy before we get married you know
0: the there are there's there's a lot of ways to skin a potato right Or yes, to kill a potato absolutely well i don't know if there's many ways but it's a phrase i guess mm-hmm. um Let's close it out with, uh, I ask everybody on TV news, I think people probably secretly hate it. For live shot stories, do you have any good live shot horror stories?
1: Oh, horror stories. Besides when your hands want to just, like, you feel like they're going to fall off because they're freezing. I have a couple. Oh, let me think of one. You mean, like, someone, well, the other day, this, this, this is not a horrible live shot story, but the other day somebody was, like, dancing in the back. And I didn't even know it.
0: Didn't even know it.
1: And no one ever told me. So, you know, I get back and I'm watching the air check. And, and it's a serious story, right? It's, you know, <laughs> someone, you know, was, I think, something horrible happened, sure, right? Sure, um, And then just the person, hey, hey, in the back. And I think another thing is people, people don't realize that you can't really hear out of one ear because you have the IFB in there. Right? Like, you just can't hear out of that ear. So someone can be saying something here, and you don't know it. Sure. Right? So, I mean, I thought that was funny. I'm trying to remember. I can't, I can't believe I don't remember a horror story. I feel like I've mentioned one to you before. Well, how do you control
0: your scenes? Like, you got some guy dancing, and if you notice, something well, you, you turn don't. around, and you just say, get get out of here? Well,
1: you, I mean, I don't think you can't, really. You have to keep going. If you're alive, you have to keep going.
0: Well, do you have a concealed carry license? <laughs>
1: We can't talk about that here, but yeah. but definitely. I mean, there are some situations where you, you, you wish someone, you know, really were around to help you with with crowd control, I think, at times. But I don't have a, a terrible, terrible story. It's mostly, you know, like sometimes you have technical issues or you don't hear something quite well or a gust of air the other day. Um, I think actually the day we met in court, you know, I'm fine. I'm ready to do my my live shot. And then there's a gust of wind. And it's like I have a, a ton of hair. And it's just going all over everywhere. And you're trying to hold your microphone. And then, you know, you have a few things on your notepad. And you're pulling your hair back. And you're pulling your hair back. And, oh, no, I guess it's all hair today. Just, you know, kind of like a tornado in front of your, your face. And, hey, you keep going because it's live TV. And there's really nothing you can do but deliver.
0: That's pretty funny. Um, If people want to follow you, what's the best way to do it?
1: I'm on Twitter. Uh, Just my name, Jasmine Beltran. It's spelled... uh, Everyone always is curious about why my name was spelled J-A-Z-M-I-N. And Beltran, I always say Beltran like the ball player, not like the other shady people on the news. (laughs) Um, My it's an it's an Arabic name it's an Arabic name an Arab name and also an Arabic name and my aunt Martha actually read it in some magazine and she's like oh this is a wonderful name I think you should name your daughter that and so it's Jasmine right I always say Yasmin Beltran I'm technically not pronouncing that how it's supposed to be pronounced because it's with a J so it should be Yasmin but I've always been called Yasmin so that's what we go with Yasmin Beltran
0: well, now I, now I know that I mispronounced it a little at the beginning, <laughs> but we'll, I'll have to survive through my embarrassment.
1: Oh, you'll be fine. I mean, people do that all the time, and I don't correct them either. I'm like, okay, that's fine.
0: Well, I very much appreciate you taking some time to chat with me.
1: Oh, thank you for the invitation. I was a little nervous. I'm never on this side. I'm always on that side, so...
0: Well, you know, I saved my hard questions for part two.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So I'll come prepared next time with two cups of tea.
0: There we go. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks.